When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. So, after steering his side to the quarterfinals of the Champions League on Tuesday, is this the start of something for Chelsea boss Graham Potter? Or is it merely a stay of execution with the next defeat pushing him back to the brink of the sack with question marks over where the club is heading? I'm Ian Irving, and this is the Athletic Football Podcast. So joining us today then are both of the Athletics Chelsea writers who were both at Stamford Bridge last night to see Chelsea knock Borussia Dortmund out of the Champions League. It's a good morning to Liam Toomey and Simon Johnson as well. Simon, your piece is on the Athletic already about the win last night. You focused in on Graham Potter and at the very start of the piece, you asked him uh, after the game about where this win ranks in his career so far. He chose to home in on the fact that it got Chelsea to the quarterfinals. But surely it's much more important than that for a wider context of his job, isn't it? I think that he was clearly saying it's one of the best of his career without without trying to make it too much about him. But it but it but it clearly was such an important night for him on, on for so many reasons. Yes, it was important for Chelsea too, and for quite a few of the players players with a point to prove. But no one had a bigger point to prove than than Graham Potter and. It's like as I go into the piece, it's he took his guard down. He became one of one of them. He became one of the fans. He cared. He showed he cared just as much as they do, and he needs to show more and more of that. I think for him to truly connect with them over the long term and, and make this not just a one-off. I think you're the first person to compare him to Conte, Mourinho, <laughs> and well, Tuchel. Actually, well, Simon, to be well, honest, well, <laughs> yeah, baby steps, in, baby steps. Yeah, yeah. Only purely from the the sort of geeing up of the fans, the sort of you know geeing them up to to sing louder was very much out of their kind of playbook. They sort of sensed that not that the crowd were actually quite they they were loud to begin with, but Potter was yeah. asking for more within within about five minutes. He he was he was asking for more, and yes, this is what I want to hear. The moment I saw that, I thought, okay, this is a different Graham Potter tonight, and I'm sure I wasn't the only one that thought, yes, I want to see more of this. Yeah, Liam, we'll get into the improved Chelsea display from the team in a while but let's stay on Potter for the minute because like Simon says there it was so important for Chelsea fans to see these sort of qualities from this manager and and not it's not always just about the results is it it's about the connection and it felt like there was far more of a connection between the fans and the manager during that game yeah when you're the coach of an elite club you are the figurehead of that club you're not just the coach of the team and I think at times over these first few months, understandably so, Potter has focused completely on the challenge of coaching the team. 
and it feels like he's neglected the building of a rapport with the Chelsea fans. And he and he, he was starting from less than zero anyway because he was replacing someone in Thomas Tuchel who was immensely popular and really had that connection. So that that immediately made his job more difficult. But he really needed that connection and that energy going both ways at Stamford Bridge last night in particular because this was Chelsea's season and you could feel that desperation in the air from everyone. They knew that nothing less than a win would give them anything to play for for the next couple of months and also give them any real hope in this project for the foreseeable future and and particularly Potter's place at the at the head of it. I don't think any of the fans really personally dislike Potter. I think they're frustrated by the way he talks at times. We don't get the sense any of the players dislike him. The owners clearly like him. Everyone wants him to succeed. But I think they were looking for evidence that he could turn this around and get a break. And and for him to conduct himself the way he the way he did and get it right on the pitch and get it right at the most crucial time, I think is a is a big, big really timely boost for him in this job. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. I mean, two of the automatic criticisms, Liam, of Graham Potter at Chelsea so far is that he's been sort of too calm and too nice. Do you think he's listened to that with the way he was last night? Or was it just the emotion of the pressure and the circumstance that got to him? I think it's probably been impossible for him to ignore all of it because he's been asked a bit about it in press conferences and and reacted with (laughs) with frustration at times. But I guess you've got to be careful not to go too far the other way and try and become something you're not because I think people will see through it very quickly. If if Potter was trying to do an Antonio Conte, Jose Mourinho impression on in his technical area, it just wouldn't wash. There's something about his character. It would just be immediately jarring and, and it wouldn't be believable. But the way he did act, you know, geeing up the fans, being much more demonstrative, giving instructions to his players individually, collectively during the game, Showing his frustration a little bit, not in a petulant way, uh, which I, I felt sometimes happened with Thomas Tuchel and certainly Tuchel's players felt that. It never tipped over into that for Potter, but he, he was showing his frustration with disappointments in the game, but also encouragement and just generally a more human side. There was even a sense of vulnerability with that Kai Havertz retaken penalty where he couldn't watch. And you could say maybe that you know, that could go the wrong way for a, for an elite coach to show that kind of vulnerability. But I think we've also seen it from guys like Guardiola as well, who seems to collapse in a heap whenever another team breaks away on the counter-attack. <laughs> you know, I, d- I don't think it's necessarily mutually exclusive from being a successful coach at a top club. And I think it just adds to the the human element that, that Potter really needs to show in this job. No, there's a reason why these top managers have become gifts over time, isn't it? Because of the way they react on the touchline. I'm not sure Graham Potter's quite at the gift stage yet. But Simon, that penalty incident, everything connected with it, did show a a real sort of vulnerability to Potter, but also something that people can warm to because he won't be the first not to watch a penalty being taken. Yeah, it was was actually the second part of my my question in the post-match press conference was, what was the thinking there? Was that a sign of you showing nerves? And he kind of made a joke of it. Um, he said, oh, well, the first time I did watch the penalty and that, that didn't work too well for me. So that's why I took the second option and, and, and not watch it. Clearly, that was the sign of, of, of the tension. What He knew how important that moment was for him, for Chelsea, the fans, the players, for Kai Havertz. You've got to remember the day before the game, Potter had, had officially confirmed that Kai Havertz was his new 
designated penalty taker, having obviously Jorginho was the previous number one, he's now at Arsenal. So you can imagine the sort of, oh, well, that's another decision you got wrong. <laughs> if, if Kai Havertz is, sort of misses the penalty, which and Chelsea go on to, to get knocked out. But I, I just thought, again, that was a scene that a lot of fans could relate to, the kind of, oh, this is just so, so into, I can't even watch it. Again, very relatable scene to not just Chelsea fans, all football fans. I've been yeah. through that moment where I can't actually handle this. And I think it was Bjorn Hamburg, one of his assistants, just, just as Potter looked up because he heard the crowd, he, one of his assistants has jumped into his arms a little bit and was, was like sort of teeing him up as well. It, it was a great, great moment, but I, I, it, I think we should also be careful not get too carried away here. It, it, it was just one game. It's given him a little bit of a foundation to, to build from, but it's important he does build on this. He can't just let this be a one-off occasion. Yeah, it's crucial to do that, isn't it? Definitely. I mean, it, you know, you say that it's just one win. It was back-to-back wins, but it was for the first time since October. Anyway. It's the first time that Chelsea had scored more than two goals in a game this year. It brought to an end a spell where they scored seven times in 16 games. It had been a huge issue for them, certainly. Just before we move it on then, let, let's just focus in on the penalty incident. Liam, do you have any idea what was happening in the stadium during those five minutes between the original handball and the penalty being taken twice? Well, it was quite hard for me to see the initial penalty incident because the for people who don't know, the press box at Stamford Bridge is really low down. It's almost pitch level. You're right behind the dugouts. I was actually in kind of the overspill where I, I, I don't think I had a screen. I didn't have the presence of mind to look at it anyway. Even if you had a screen, it was still fairly confusing, trust yeah, me. Yeah, it, it only became clear on the replay that it, 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 it was a fairly obvious penalty, at least the way the handball rule is interpreted. And then the, yes. the encroachment situation was not clear at all in the stadium until it came up on the screen um, that it was being rechecked. But I think actually the referee made that decision quite quickly. It was more the initial penalty decision that, that, that took time and he had to go over and look at it. It does add a, a strange sense of drama to a stadium VAR. I'd still prefer football without it. <laughs> um, but there's there's no denying that it that it added something to the game and it obviously worked in Chelsea's favour. There was, there was incredible drama to the moment of Havertz having to step up again and then having the courage not only to do the same thing, step up again, but take the exact same penalty and just put it Amazing. A, a few inches inside the post this time. I thought that was, that was really, showed great personality from Havertz that time. And it felt like a moment that could be a really significant moment in Chelsea's season. Obviously, as Simon says, it, it won't be if they don't build on this. It has to be a foundation. Yeah, one thing that VAR has done is teach people rules, hasn't it? I think a lot of people, <laughs> Simon, realised last night what the D was for after all these years. <laughs> yeah, very good point. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I include myself in that. Uh, oh, right, OK. <laughs> Uh, I got every eleven. That's why I thought it was just a pretty picture. I I've, didn't realise. I yeah. got eleven players on the pitch. All oh, right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. And 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 I I I just felt the whole incident. Chelsea and underground Potter have been. There's many things you can label that they're not good enough. Doesn't know his best team. Players not playing for him, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. One thing is for sure, they've had no luck whatsoever. And for for 40 minutes, it was the same story. I mean, when Kai Havertz's shot hit the inside of the post, went across the goal and went out the other side, 
I just burst out laughing. I just, <laughs> I just thought there's, there's absolutely no chance. Will they ever score again? Was 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 kind of going through <laughs> my mind. And then suddenly it was like, oh, it's time to give them a break. Um, I mean, Raheem that we haven't even touched on Raheem Sterling showing the kind no. of quality, kind of first attempt at a strike that I produce uh, at my age. Uh, total total miss kick. It was magnificent stuff. Uh, but it but it. But it weirdly, it actually worked out well for him. And it completely fooled everybody in the stadium, and he was able to go on and score. And the fact that Chelsea got a penalty, which which divides opinion, although, as Liam pointed out, to the letter of the law, it is a penalty. The the, the sort of making your body bigger that that's where it came to play. But the retake for me was when he really thought, "Wow, some of all that misfortune is being paid back," because it it was a real sort of. Yes, by the letter of the law, of course, it should be retaken. But I thought it was a very generous moment for Chelsea. Because who knows the psychological impact of, of missing such a golden opportunity. That that all that positive momentum that had been built inside the stadium, I, I think that the air would have gone out of the occasion somewhat. So a really key moment in, in Chelsea's season, I think. Let's get into the performance then, Liam. I mean, aside from all the chat around the manager and around the atmosphere at Chelsea, it was a really, really good display and a great result, wasn't it? The three lines you can draw from from Leeds and Dortmund, clearly the system. Potter's gone back to the three at the back system, having Reese James available again and Ben Chilwell at full power makes a massive difference as those flying... Them two are crucial, aren't they? Yeah, they, they, they just provide so much balance at both ends of the pitch as flying wing-backs. Um, and just having more centre-backs fit, I think we've seen the ability of Wesley Fofana finally in a Chelsea shirt over the last few games. I think a lot of people have forgotten Chelsea signed him because he's barely played and, and missed so much time. The key question going in was whether they could still play that way without Benoit Badia-Shiel, um, who has been very, very good since he came into this team. And with, without Thiago Silva as well? Yeah, uh, although I think um, Kaladu Koulibaly has been looking better in the last two or three games. Okay. And, and and so the, the biggest selection call pre-match that Potter had was whether to put Mark Carella into the Badia-Shiel spot or put in Trevor Chalobah, who, while he hasn't specifically played on the left side too much, he started three finals for Thomas Tuchel last season and played pretty well in all of them. So he, he is the kind of character you can call upon in that situation. Kukurea was, in some ways, a, a much bolder call because he's really not been playing well at all at Chelsea and he's had a lot to deal with off the pitch, but he was... Superb and ended up winning man of the match. That was a big vindication for Potter. I think the other thing, aside from the system, was just the intensity that Chelsea played with. For a long time in Potter's tenure, that has really been lacking, or at the very least, Chelsea have not been able to sustain it for a significant portion of 90 minutes. For most of the first half, they played at an intensity that Dortmund couldn't really handle. And then just as they did against Leeds, they began the second half with the same intensity. They didn't let the initiative slip away from them as, as they have done in other games this season. And on both occasions, they were rewarded with an early goal in the second half. And yes, they've been incredibly unlucky under Potter, but to a certain extent, you can make your own luck in football as well by by making things happen and, and seizing the initiative. And Chelsea have been a much more proactive team under Potter in the last two games. And I think that's made a big, big difference. Who stood out to you, Simon? As some of the players um, Liam's just mentioned, obviously, um, Kudabali, Kukurela, 
in particular because they they have definitely been associated with Potter's struggles actually and 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 to again for Cucurella to come good was important for Potter because they're kind of connected it's almost like connected with each other's failures um so you can imagine again if 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 it gone wrong for Potter if Cucurella had been a disappointment it would have been seen as another disaster but it, in te- instead it's flipped the other way around but I've got to talk about Kai Havertz the, the man that probably frustrates me as much as any Chelsea player because the guy's got talent galore but doesn't show it consistently enough but last night he was magnificent and you, you watch him and you go this is what you want to see on a regular basis what why can't why can't he play like this more often he's actually been a big factor in why Chelsea haven't scored many goals because playing in that position as the sort of false nine, or whether he's still a false nine because he's played as the front man so often now, he tends to be in so many places other than the penalty area. So if your front man isn't in the penalty area, who have you got to hit? Um, but he 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 was still everywhere last night, sometimes out of the penalty area still, but just his all-round game, the touches he played it was a lovely sort of back heel in the build-up to the first goal that was just pure class and whether it was the Champions League size of the occasion playing knowing that his home country would be tuning in because it was a German club that Chelsea up against something brought him out of his sulk his shoulders been slumped recently something raised him from from the depths of despair to to put in a proper performance and Again, like Graham Potter, I hope it's just the start, that it's not just a one-off and that he, he, he goes on and builds from that confidence and, and carries on to have a very strong end to the season. Yeah, you tweeted as well, Liam, about Kepa Ariza Balaga in goal because you know he's been another point of criticism in recent years for Chelsea, in fairness. But you said in the tweet that he'd ended the game as captain again. He was... Um, pumping up the crowd as well. And he made some really important saves, didn't he? It's almost been forgotten in the, the goals and the, the penalties and Potter and everything else, but he was as important as anyone last night. Yeah, and Kepa's a great story, honestly. To to have the the meltdown that he had under Frank Lampard and then continuing into Thomas Tuchel's tenure, the fact that Chelsea signed a goalkeeper to replace him and and the fact that he's he's taken his time, worked incredibly hard on his game and battled his way back into the number one spot to perform as he's performing. He's you know, I wrote a piece last week saying the advanced numbers are suggesting that he's having the best shot stopping season of his career. Um and, and that has been diluted a little bit by the handful of games that preceded. Leeds and Dortmund where he was at fault for a couple of goals and particularly with goalkeepers it doesn't take more than one or two mistakes for those doubts to start creeping in among supporters again if they've got a track record of making errors which Kepa does but he's shown such great personality you know he's not a perfect goalkeeper he does have some some flaws his size is a limiting factor but he's a very very talented shot stopper I think his mental resilience might be his best quality that he's displayed over the last year or two. And and just for him to be in a position to take the captain's armband off Mateo Kovacic during the game in the last two matches and be one of Chelsea's best, most reliable performers when they needed it most to secure two clean sheets. I think he deserves all the credit in the world for that. And I, th- I think he'll get a lot of respect for it. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This is a paid advertisement from Better Health Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash athleticfootball with no spaces. Same technique. Luke Bosher's also written on The Athletic about the win last night and described Graham Potter's celebrations with Todd Bowley. Uh, Simon, from your croaky voice, I'm presuming you were at the, that party last night post-match. Yeah, first name on the team sheet. No, I thought I thought that was a very very telling image as well from the night. Um, from what I'd been hearing, Todd Bowley was definitely one of the ones that was very still very much still program Potter to see him embrace Potter in the tunnel in a moment of he could read it in so many ways but it, it felt like a genuine show of support and delight and I just thought that's the exclamation point on talk of Grand Potter losing his job for the time being it was a great sort of shared moment between them out of view of Chelsea fans but they would have seen that obviously that that image on the camera and that that will also send a message to them that okay he's clearly got Todd Bowley's backing but we'll see you know I keep sort of saying let, let, let's let let's not get too carried away there was a reason why you were sort of hearing noises that, that Potter's job was on the line ahead of the Leeds game so do you think he would have lost his job if he'd been knocked out last night I think there was a possibility for it I'm not saying it would have happened but there was definitely it, there was definitely a possibility the Leeds win was huge I think Mm. Just to just to go into this game with a little bit less scrutiny on him, but I'm talking by only a small amount. The Champions League is huge for Chelsea. History shows that, and and it as Liam said earlier, it, it keeps the season alive. And actually, I think it's massively important because the the quarterfinal is is what a month away, three weeks, four weeks. 
And there would have been a danger if they hadn't gone through that the Premier League games would have just become very flat. But now there's going to be a whole group of players that will be doing their utmost to impress, to try and get into that that quarterfinals. And who knows, this may be what, what Chelsea need to get results to get up the league table. So it, it could have a real kick-on effect um, for the final two months of the campaign and certainly that's what the Chelsea fans would be hoping. Yeah, that's going to be the point of interest now, Liam, isn't it? What effect this result has? Is it a turning point for Graham Potter and the team? Um, because, you know, you've just got to reset and go again at Leicester this weekend. The reality of the league position, 10th spot is so far below what Chelsea expect. There's so much work to be done in the league between now and the end of the season. If indeed they can rescue the league season from, from this point, but It'd be really, really intriguing to see what effect this has, won't it? Yeah, the league is unsalvageable, I think, in terms of top four. There are, there's The points gap is too big and Chelsea have too many teams to jump. Is Europe still important, though, in some in some guys? Because it's only jumping up to seventh to do that, sixth for the Europa League. Simon wrote about this uh, a week or so ago, about whether it would be che- better for Chelsea to be out of Europe or not. And if you're projecting forward about them maybe mm-hmm. winning, trying to win the Premier League next season probably better to be out of Europe entirely. However, they have 31 first-team players at the moment and, and may go into next season with 20-plus, depending on how well their selling efforts go this this summer. So having a few Conference League games or Europa League games uh, could actually be quite useful to get everyone some minutes. To, to pay for all these players as well, surely. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, although I, I don't know how much the income from those competitions really moves the needle compared to the Champions League. Looking at the Premier League for the rest of this year, I think the key thing is to provide some hope and optimism to the fans with performances that this is now going in the right direction again. Ensuring that players are primed physically and psychologically for a potential stretch run in the Champions League. And I think most crucially, getting N'Golo Kante fit and into top Mm. form because this is the one player who we saw two years ago can be the best player in the Champions League knockout stage. He can be that good. He can be the decisive influence on the very biggest matches. And if I was another team in this Champions League draw, I wouldn't be overjoyed about the prospect of playing Chelsea with a fit and golo Kante in this kind of system. They've probably got more individual talent, honestly, than they had two years ago. They clearly have a less proven coach, but Roberto Di Matteo wasn't particularly proven in 2012 either. And both times Chelsea have won this competition, they've won it from a mid-season drift from coming from nowhere to just kind of play their their best football at the right time. And in 2012's case, get a bit of luck as well. This isn't necessarily a competition that rewards the best team in Europe. So I think if we're if we're looking at the rest of the Premier League campaign, I think it has to be for Chelsea in service of the Champions League, trying to gain some momentum. They were hoping to do that between the two Dortmund games. Clearly it didn't work very well, but they, they just about managed to get it done anyway. They now have this gap to a quarterfinal. They have to get more of their players back into peak condition. Mikhailo Mudrik's another one. You know, massive January signing wasn't even considered to come on against Leeds and Dortmund. He could be a big weapon if if he's utilised right. So um, they have a lot of work to do and they've got some time now before the quarterfinal to try and do it. Liam almost sounded confident there, Simon. <laughs> almost. I get it because, look, 
the, the, the history just the history books show Chelsea have a love affair with this competition and I'm glad he raised raised across to Angola Conte because I don't think it's almost it's, it's been mentioned enough that this this is one of the best players in the Premier League not just Chelsea and he's not played since August I mean it's it's an incredible miss it's going to take a bit of time to get him right but suddenly Chelsea have a bit of time to get him right it's like right you know what an opportunity to have him lining up next to Enzo Fernandez in midfield maybe um, obviously Kovacic as well it it, it suddenly makes Chelsea an awful lot stronger. But I also sort of think that it's important Chelsea have a strong end to the season because I'm a strong believer in how you end the season has an impact on how you start it. Chelsea had an awful end to last season. Like People forget, that they, they, they attribute this awful form just to Graham Potter. Thomas Tuchel started it. The, the, the end to last season, when Chelsea went out of the Champions League, it's a very topical show, uh, to Real Madrid... Chelsea fell off a cliff. They staggered home. They, they only just about held on to third place. People forget that for a long time they were up there with, with Liverpool and Manchester City for the title. And in the end, they only just hung on to, to the top four. And then, of course, they, they, this season started and Tuchel masterminded defeats to Leeds and Southampton. So the rot had already set in. Again, I think it's important that for, for Graham Potter, if he's to, to remain in charge, that he has a strong end to the season, not just in the Champions League, but the Premier League. And then, then people can go into the summer, go into the pre-season and say, right, let's go again, pick up from where we left off. As for winning the Champions League, look, Chelsea aren't a team yet. You can point to the previous successes, 2-12. They had the structure in place. Those players have been playing together for years. They knew what it took to get through those tough moments in, in the those tough Champions League games. In 2021, they were more of a team under a very, very good manager. This, this one is still in its infancy, but they've given themselves a chance and that's, a, that's an awful lot more than they had just 24 hours ago. Well, one thing's for sure, there's never a quiet day at Stamford Bridges and there's never a quiet day to be a Chelsea correspondent. Liam, Simon, thank you so much for being with us. Cheers. Pleasure. More on Chelsea and the rest of the Champions League on The Athletic right now. Remember, if you're not a subscriber, you can take advantage of the offer at the moment, which is £1.99 a month for 12 months by going to theathletic.com forward slash football pod. Sign up now. But for the minute, thank you for listening and we'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye. The Athletic.